Blog Talk Radio. Rodney Smith, 
bring you another episode of our show. Today's topic is going to be what would happen if black people became radicalized and why we shouldn't. What would happen if black people became radicalized and why we shouldn't? Yes, we're going to talk about that today. A little bit about Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live is a radio show derived from the Our Own Voices print and digital magazine. Our Own Voices Live tries to bring stories from right here in the local Las Vegas area and someplace near you. Our goal is to help build the greatest bridge in history to unite us, and one of the ways that we go about doing it is with shows like Our Own Voices Live, as well as many of our community activities, like our weekly gathering at the Westside Bistro inside of Nevada Partners, right here in North Las Vegas, 710 West Lake Mead Boulevard. Also, we do book drives and book fairs. We do, we give away computers to needy veterans, homeless. We have a book club to talk, to read, and inspire others. We're a part of the Sam Smith Educational Foundation that is doing good works in the community. We try to collaborate with others and to help enhance whatever they're doing so that we can bring something of benefit to our community. One of the things that we know we have to do is first we have to think then we have to talk, and then we have to act. It is almost like ready, aim, fire. Very seldom, very seldom should we get those three things out of sequence. So today, we're going to talk. Uh, Our Own Voices Live comes to you every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. That is 3.30 p.m. for those of you back east. Big shout-out to all the East Coast listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. You know, we just had the incident in San Bernardino, uh, California, which uh, mm, maybe roughly 30 years ago, I used to live right up the Cajon Pass, not that far from San Bernardino. So though it's not right at home, it still struck close enough to home to get my attention. And what got my attention is the same thing that has gotten my attention for years, and that is how vulnerable we are as a nation to attack, whether it's from those within our country or those who come to our country specifically to do harm's way. And I do not believe that this is something that will be easily defeated because it is an idea. And it is very hard to defeat ideas. Now, you can kill people, but it doesn't kill the idea. As a matter of fact, sometimes it creates more people with that same idea. What we're going to do a little bit later today is we're going to talk about the idea. We're going to talk about the actuality, talk a little bit about future projection, but then we, I want to relate this to the African-American community. And just this week, I made a Facebook post, and 
on my Facebook post, I want to I want to read the Facebook post to you as just before my co-host joins us, and I'd like to get your feedback. But it is part of what prompted me to do this show today, and it starts out. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, "Racism." is a sickness unto death. What I am saying is that racism is a clear and present danger to the American way of life. And then it has a meme that has a black background, and in bold white letters, all caps, it says, in racism. The caption Below it says this, if we do not attack racism in America and pull it out by its roots, we just may see more native-born radicalization sooner than later. To be clear, what I am saying is racism as well as discrimination are a national security threat that may be the greatest we have ever faced in modern times. From yours truly. Underneath it says hashtag what do the black people want the black agenda? Hashtag the American agenda. Hashtag the black agenda. 347-826-9696. Zero zero three four seven eight two six ninety six hundred. Would love to get you posted on Facebook as well as a topic in general. But of course, there could be no show if there was not for my co-host, Mrs. Angela Thomas. Welcome to the show, Angela. Hey, Rodney. How are you? Hey, everybody. What's going on? It's another fine Saturday, and here we are back together again. Yes, here we are in very familiar but somewhat melancholy circumstances with another mass killing, mass shooting. This one uh, has now, I believe, been officially designated as a terrorist act. And we have the factions on both sides taking their usual corners with the Democrats led by the president talking about more gun control and the Republicans uh, led by their front runner, Donald Trump and others saying that it's something else besides gun control. And maybe we should look at mental health and some other things and enforce the laws that we already have. Um, This is once again, where we find ourselves. Absolutely. Um, Well, it is unfortunate that we are here again. Uh, first and foremost, sending prayers and condolences out to all the families in San Bernardino that are affected by this, that have lost a loved one or is nursing a loved one back to health. That's first. Um, and in, in, in to comment <clears throat> on what you just just shared, I. What this particular act highlights 
glaringly clear for me at least is that no legislation we currently have or have tossed about in popular media, no current um, possession of weapons or or not, would have stopped this particular situation. He was naturalized. He he was a citizen. He was not on anybody's radar. Nor was the wife. You know, nor was the wife. Uh, it kind of is. This case is is kind of a, a a light in showing us that this isn't totally going to be handled by legislation nor acts of war. Some of this is a matter of humanity, and we need to start addressing that. I, I don't know. This, this one is interesting to say the least. We have not filled all the holes, that's for sure. And I, I at this point, it, it's bipartisan for me. Um, I don't think that uh, gun laws are gonna gonna help right now. I don't know. I don't know that, but seems like to me a made up mind is pretty powerful. You know, we've we've heard our politicians kick this ball back and forth. These again the Republicans tend to be on the side of we don't need any more gun laws, we need to enforce the gun laws that we have with the Democrats saying we need more gun laws. Every Let's go the Democrat route. Let's go to Democrat route in this conversation right now. What what effect of gun law do you think we could come up to address this right now? Do do you see legislation impacting this? Where it would well, just stop well, happening? I mean, in general, no. But their recent proposal was uh, to basically make it unlawful for a person on the no-fly list to purchase firearms. So we're just going to chip away at groups until finally they've gotten all Americans, uh, you know, Nobody, nobody will be able to have arms, any, any, any weapons or any guns or anything. I, I don't know. Well, I mean, I struggle with this one a little bit because mm-hmm. I remember one time I was going to take a flight, and for some reason, my name flagged on the no-fly list. And, you know, they were very polite. And I was trying to figure out what was going on. And once I, re- you know, realized what had happened, sure. there was a, a certain sense of uh, anxiety that came across. Like, wait a minute, what y'all, what are y'all, y'all going to grab me and 
throw me in a hole where I can't, you know, get rid of habeas corpus and where nobody will know where I am and I won't be able to get a mm-hmm. lawyer and I won't be able to get seen by anyone. And I, you know, all of those thoughts. That's scary, you know, yeah. going through my mind, right? And it luckily for me, it was just a little snafu. And, I, you know, I, I was obviously able to get my ticket and get on the airplane. Sure. Now, since then, they've come out with this thing about certain, you know, they said, well, if you got mental illness, you shouldn't be able to own a firearm. Well, I have PTSD and I have PBI. PTSD is a mental illness. So then I have to see, I can't ask myself because I'm going to give myself the obvious answer that, hey, I don't know why I can have a gun. I have never acted out with a weapon. I have been around weapons most of my life. We're farming Mm -hmm. family back in the South. We've never had any incidents. Hey, I used to be in charge of our combat arms teams to to protect classified stuff. I'll just leave it at that. And Mm -hmm. I had PTSD then, and I had all kind of weapons then, Angela. Not only did I have the weapons, I was in charge of the weapons. (laughs) (laughs) I was in charge of of the strike team. Well, mainly for us, it was defense team. I was in charge of that. And now, now all of because a sudden. of some incidents that happened with the majority of the people having a mental illness, now people are telling me I can't own a gun. So I'm a little sensitive when people start saying what you, who can and cannot do. But conversely, I'm trying to look at it outside of myself and rational and say Mm -hmm. that if the authorities have deemed that if a person gets on an airplane, the authorities believe this person may want to be a mass murderer and kill everyone on board the airplane and attack buildings on the ground. If that is the standard, then I have to seriously, I have to seriously consider I think I made up a word there. I have to seriously consider. Uh, yes. <laughs> but then I have to think, if that person is so dangerous that they will make attack a whole airplane and use it against people, then would I really want that person to be able to purchase a weapon? We don't let felons, ex-felons, purchase guns. Mm-hmm. I don't even think they have to be a felon of a violent act just a felon. So when I look at that and I'm trying to be outside of myself and I'm trying to be reasonable and rational, sure, I am willing to have a discussion on preventing people on the no-fly list from having a weapon. Huh. Yes, All right. yes, I'm willing to, I'm willing to consider it. I'm willing to have the discussion. Just like I'm willing to have, right, the discussion on why mentally ill people shouldn't be allowed to have a weapon. I am a mentally ill person. Now, maybe I'm not the right one to talk about my own state of mind, Mm -hmm. but if I ask those who know me 
who've experienced my presence, would you feel safe knowing that I had a firearm at home or, for that matter, even on my person? Now, I would like to think that people would say, Rodney, you've never showed any incidents of this, that, and the other. There's not been any reports, so forth and so on. And because of that, yes, I would not mind you having a gun in your possession at home or you having a CCW. But they don't give you that option. What they're saying is if you are mentally ill. So here's something. We know that a large number of women are depressed. Depression is mental illness. Does that mean that those women should not be allowed to have a firearm? A lot of people suffer from clinical depression, male and female, a woman and child. But but should they not be allowed to have a firearm because they have anxiety or they suffer depression? And I think the blanket statements here are part of the thing that usually leads us to a dark place where we shouldn't go. Yeah. When we say all people with mental illness, or in, in the case of what's currently being said, people with mental illness should not have a firearm, should not have a weapon. Well, that's that's all people with a mental illness. All right? So let's say that that person already has a weapon. If it's a handgun in Nevada, pretty much if it's a handgun almost any place in America, you've had to have a background check. So that means the FBI, the authorities, they have your information. They know you have a weapon, and they know your address. Now, let's say they created a registry, a database, and when you're designated to have depression or everyone who has PTSD was loaded into that database, right? Mm -hmm. And when they load their names into that database and they link it to the state and the feds database of weapons ownership, oh, wow, Rodney has a gun. Yeah, but it says he has PTSD. PTSD is a mental illness. He's not allowed to have a weapon. Rodney, you need to turn your firearm in. Rodney is probably going to think about that before he just ups and turns his firearm in. Let's just say Rodney thinks about that longer than whatever the designated time is for him to do so. Did Rodney just violate a law? Now you're criminalized. Yep. Now, let's say as they come to get Rodney's gun and also come to take him to jail for violating that new law, right, they take the gun, which proves that I had a gun, which would prove that I violated the law, right? Right. And now do I go to jail? And do they do that for everyone? Do we suddenly see in America police raids in people's homes confiscating their weapons? And what do we do with all of these new criminals 
that we suddenly had. That we just had, that we just inherited for, <laughs> all right. Uh, here's, here's another, just something to think about. Is prohibitions in America tend to be repealed mm-hmm. in one form or fashion. Whether we're talking about the prohibition against alcohol, the prohibition against marijuana, uh, to a certain extent, even the prohibition of, well, we didn't get a prohibition on smoking. They came out and said it'll kill you, put warnings on everything, but we're still going to allow you to do it because it's We still can go get a pack of cigarettes. Even if it's currently killing you, how many people have you seen on oxygen at these casinos, Rodney? I know I've seen it a number of times. And, <laughs> Still puffing and away. Have you ever looked up how many people die from cigarette smoking every year? No, because I've never smoked, but I've been married to a, a, a smoker. Well, he's a former smoker now, but I'm scared to look. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And we experience so much secondhand smoke here in the valley. You know, there isn't a uh, an environment. Everything for for folks that come here and visit, it doesn't seem like a big deal. But for those of us who live here, um, pretty much all of the arenas and theaters, any you know entertainment type of thing that you would do here, you usually have to go through a casino. And for a non-smoker, that's a lot. You usually have to go through a cloud of smoke. (laughs) So let me give you some some data. And I know people don't, they say anyone can manipulate the numbers, but I do believe we have to have standards and it gives us something to work with. Right. And, And the Center for Disease Control, Yes, it's a, it's a government agency. I don't know if it's lizard people running it, but it is a government agency. Because, you know, you got your conspiracy theorists out there. But the uh, CDC has said, as of August 18, 2015, that 278,544 deaths annually among men, secondhand smoke. From secondhand smoke, wow. For now, they estimate more than four hundred and eighty thousand deaths. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now that's the CDC. If we go to the American Cancer Society. A nonprofit. They said, I'm going to read it. Half of cigarette users will die because they smoke. Six million people die every year because of tobacco. So, what they're talking about is not people who just smoke it, but they're talking about people who dip it, people who chew it. People who, well, back where I'm from, they use snuff and right. they snorted it. So, really? And then, we, yes, uh, 
That well, sounds they painful. Use snuff, <laughs> they, they used snuff two ways. They snorted it like a person was snort cocaine, or oh, really? they, yes, or and and in the old days people did it to make them sneeze. But I guess somebody in the process of doing that realized, wait a minute, I got a little contact buzz here from that. So people would people sniff snuff, which is a, a ground up tobacco product. Or mm-hmm. they would simply, I remember the, the older ladies back in my village, they would pull the lower lip out, <laughs> and they would uh, tilt that little can and tap it until some snuff fell in between their gum and their cheek or lip and let that Enough mixed with their saliva be absorbed into their body, and occasionally they would spit. Wow! So, uh, so between you can chew tobacco, as many of you know, uh, a popular phrase from where I'm from is a "chaw tobacco," which really meant a jaw, or kind of like a conflation of jaw and chew. Uh, there's okay. actually a specific name for that type of word that escapes me right now. But what they said is this is the American Cancer Society that says the, this figure, the 6 million, this figure includes 5 million smokers, but also about 600,000 non-smokers exposed to secondhand smoke. It is that without any action, 8 million people will die annually by 2030. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, even if we go to the CDC, that's the government, and we just use the CDC's numbers, which is the 480,000. There's not 480,000 people being killed by guns. It's, it's, it's not. There's a large number of people being killed by guns, but there's 480,000. Now, the difference may be that people usually who are killed by guns, I mean, there are suicides, but the majority of people who are killed by guns are not killed because they wanted to die. Now, I don't think smokers want to die either. Uh, You just mentioned someone close to you is an ex-smoker. Part of the reason Mm -hmm. for them being an ex-smoker is probably because they wanted to look after their own health. (laughs) Uh, They live, they don't want to kill their mate, in this case you, nor do they want to kill their children. Or grandchildren, right? Now, we know that because smoking is an addiction, it is something that's hard to break, even when the person wants to get rid of it because there's a chemical dependency. They just can't, most people just can't stop it and never go back. But the the discussion wasn't meant to go too much onto cigarettes and tobacco. But what I just wanted to show is the amount of people 
that are going to die because of smoking, which is something that's legal. And we're told people have a right to smoke. Now, smoking is not mentioned in the Constitution. I've, I've not seen it any place. Maybe indirectly, <laughs> yes, but I have not seen smoking in the Constitution. Now, right. the Second Amendment, the Second Amendment, according to the interpretation of the SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States, has said that gun ownership is an inherent right of the individual. It's in the Constitution, the Supreme Court that interprets the Constitution has interpreted that way, whether we agree or disagree, but that's how it's interpreted. So what we're saying is that with the number of gun deaths per year is so heinous that we're willing to pass legislation to go into your house and confiscate your weapon. But yet, we allow 480,000 people a year, according to the CDC, to kill themselves smoking cigarettes. Not only do we allow those 488,000, according to the CDC, but then we will allow those 488,000 to kill 10% of that number through secondhand smoke. So let's take the 42,000 people that will die, according to the CDC, from secondhand smoke. So there's 42,000 people who do not voluntarily commit suicide. Suicide is voluntary, right? There's 42,000 people. Angela, how many people died here from guns? I have no idea. Does any of you out there know? 347-826-9600. 347-826-9600. And press option one on your keypad if you would like to ask a question or answer that particular question. Because I just want to compare, because we're going through a lot for guns. But cigarette smoking apparently is okay. So I pulled, I was able to pull up some stats. Thank goodness for the internet. And there's different stats, different groups. And one of the stats comes up with 30,000 people are killed by firearms each year. 30,000. Let's go look at some more. I was looking for something from the CDC. And I don't see anything from the CDC yet. I'm going to keep looking. Because I think it's important to... Why is it okay for us to kill people one way, but it's not okay for us to kill people the other way? There's something about it that doesn't die. Okay, I guess the closest thing to the CDC that I'm going to come up with for the moment, and somebody else can come up with it, 
I'd appreciate it, is there's a report from CNN. And depending on which side of the aisle you on, depends on how you trust it. And it says, using numbers from the Center of for Disease Control and Prevention, we found that from 2001 to 2013, 406,496 people died by firearms on U.S. soil. So in roughly 12 years, we had 400,000 people die. There was only about from 2001 to 2013, Mm-hmm. It's been 350 from the incidents of terrorism. That's gun deaths. So in that same period of time from terrorism, 350 people died from just regular stuff, 406,000. So we know that from what I read earlier from the CDC, that 42,000 people are going to die of secondhand smoke. In America So I'm going to need somebody to help me out Who's my mathematicians out there 347-826-9600 I need a little help with the math Because the CDC says That 406,000 uh, And 496 people Died From 2001 To 2013 So that's 12 years That comes out to, thanks for the handy duty calculator, that came out to about 34,000 people a year. Now, that's no small number by any means, but it's 34,000 people. That's from guns. That includes self-inflicted wounds. The CDC, so remember, 34,000. The CDC says that 42,000 people will die of secondhand smoke. Now, we're not going to talk about the 480,000 that basically commit suicide by smoking. Because when you're smoking, what you're actually doing is you're slowly committing suicide. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the 42,000. We're going to use that number of people who die from secondhand smoke. These are possibly right. non-smokers associated with the smoker. The number 42,000 is still 8,000 more than the 34,000 with guns. And they're not talking about banning cigarettes. Banning cigarettes, people, uh, destroying, making people. Uh, tobacco extinct with those kind of numbers, right? You would think. One would I mean, think. You would think. And, and see, this doesn't even include uh, the money that's spent on people who are sick with cigarettes. They did an estimate, and they said that cigarette smoking is about would impact impact the economy three hundred billion dollars a year. Of that three hundred, this is a year answer. Of that $300 billion, $170 billion is in direct medical 
care for adults. $170 billion for medical care for adults. Now, I know we shouldn't put, you know, a price tag on life. And I'm not even sure that this is an actual equivalency. But I w- I'm saying all this to say, are we kind of hyper active, hyper vigilant on the gun thing because it's a political football? And I, one of the reasons why I ask this is because Nothing gets done. You have the Democrats on one side, you have the Republicans on the other. On the other, and, uh-huh. And, and oftentimes what that means to me is that it's a red meat issue that neither mm-hmm. one of them want to lose because they can, they can fire up their base by tossing that red meat to them. And they don't want to make a decision on it because then they would lose some red meat. Sure. Now that's just Rodney's theory right there. 347-826-9600. We'd love to hear what you all think about this, this, this thing on guns. Now the show today was not to be about guns. But of course, a lot of the terrorist acts have guns. Now, here's another interesting thing about this couple in San Bernardino with guns. They had four guns. At least that's what's been reported. They had two handguns that were purchased legally, I believe in California, which is no easy feat, right? Right. They they had two, I believe, AR-15s that had been heavily modified. They, now, they, they haven't reported on how they got the AR-15s in California, since I believe it's not that you cannot buy one, but there's a lot of restrictions, gun laws, on purchasing them in California. First of all, you can't have a semi-automatic, you can't have an automatic weapon, there's special restrictions. If you have a semi-automatic weapon, you can only have a certain type, you can only hold a, have a magazine that holds a certain amount of rounds, you know, all the things that they say they want to do for the rest of the country. California already has it for the most part. But in spite of California having it, these people still used two handguns to commit acts of violence and terrorism, and they were still able to purchase two guns that they should not have been able to purchase. Um, so if those laws we're are there in California start. already mm-hmm. and they weren't able to prevent it, what could with passing more gun laws do anyplace else? Go ahead, Angela. I have no idea at this point. This this particular incident incidents has highlighted uh so many things like what you just what you just talked about. Um, the current situation with gun shows. I mean they could have just as easily came on over to Friendly Nevada and attended one of our gun shows and got those weapons. Um Legally, took them back home. Even had it, mod- you know, some of the gun shows, you know, had you can modify things. And and heck, let's face it, anything you want to learn how to do, is probably on YouTube somewhere. Somebody on YouTube teaching you how to do it. So I'm so glad you mentioned YouTube because one of the other things that the, they had in their possession, and also 
left at the scene of the initial crime was pipe bombs. Pipe bombs. Now, you don't go and buy pipe bombs online. Well, I guess somewhere you probably could, but in general, you don't go and buy pipe bombs online, and you don't go to the local gun store and ask for a pipe bomb. A pipe bomb basically is something that you're going to have to make at home or someplace. Let's just say, let's just say they didn't have the AR-15s, the semi-automatic assault weapon. Keep right. in mind that, and, and those AR-15s that they had, they purchased them, they, it's believed they purchased them illegally. The two handguns that they had, they purchased them legally. So the laws that they have wouldn't stop them from purchasing those guns. They would have had them anyway. Mm-hmm. Let's say they didn't have the AR-15s and all they had were the two handguns. Each handgun holding approximately somewhere between 9 to 15 rounds of ammunition. Because in California, I believe you can't have a magazine capacity above 10 rounds. So if they got the guns legally in California, that tells me that they didn't have a, it didn't come with a magazine above 10 rounds. That doesn't mean they couldn't order it from someplace else. So like Angela just said, come here to Las Vegas and go buy one at the gun show, right? Yeah. Or, for that matter, anybody could have sent it in the mail to them because I don't know if that's illegal. Good old Amazon or Alibaba. You can that's right. buy pretty Alibaba much anything. Than Amazon. So. Yep. So either way, this couple did not have a record. They were not on any no-fly list. So in essence, what law, other than an outright ban on purchasing firearms, and we know that an outright ban on purchasing firearms still wouldn't have stopped them from getting the AR-15s because allegedly they got those illegally. They don't know how they got them. Hmm. So in this particular case, I think it's – what it does for me is it gives us something timely to have a real discussion about versus both people going to the opposing corner. And versus us as a, as a, as a country, as, as uh, citizens being reactionary and, and, you know, kind of holding our elected officials feet to the fire and saying, look, you got to do something about it. Uh, about uh, gun laws, it does give us an opportunity to look at what we've been discussing since Sandy Hook um, and before Sandy Hook um, and, you know, kind of evaluate where we are. I, I tell you one thing we absolutely have to do earlier this year. We absolutely have to, as individuals, uh, and it, within within the group, within our groups, within our community, start going through drills again. Remember the fire drill. <laughs> Remember the um, atomic bomb drill. Or was I? I don't know what kind of bomb they had us uh, getting under our desk to protect ourselves from. What kind of what kind of drill was that? Remember that in school. Uh, that was dropping cover. Dropping cover. Okay. Look, we have to start doing. Uh, from familiarizing ourselves with what we would need to do in case we ever found ourselves in a public square where shooting breaks out. Now, I myself, me and my daughter, found ourselves at the fashion show mall here, our our huge mall 
there on the Las Vegas Strip. We were there on the day that there was a shooting at at that mall. And to say that it it, it was not, it, it was absolute chaos. I was in uh, Nordstrom's. Everything locked down. They didn't. They don't tell you anything. They don't tell you. I could hear the guns. I heard the gunshots, but they don't. You know. Oh, we just just stay in the store. You know, just stay in the store. We need to, you know, start to consider what we need to do, and know what we need to do. Not consider. Know what we need to do in case we're ever in a situation in a public place. And somebody is there with a weapon shooting, and they never caught from what i what I remember I don't think they ever caught the uh gentleman that was shooting at the fashion show mall, so it could happen and it and it that was i don't think I ever heard of it being designated terrorism, but it happened right here this year, and I was in the mall when that happened, and it's very scary, so I can't imagine being. Um, at the company Christmas party and something breaks out. So we have to absolutely start arming ourselves with information as citizens. Well, we're actually going to do, uh, in a future show, we're going to try to get someone on to give us what the authorities say is the appropriate act doing some type of mass shooting or terrorism uh, event, and we're going to try to uh, get them on as soon as possible and tell us the official, this is what you do, and I think this is so important. Now, the title of the show today is a little bit more than what we've been discussing, uh, because the title of the show today is what would happen if black people became radicalized and why we shouldn't? Now, we talked a little bit about terrorism in general. And this person who came, this person was born in America, living somewhat of the American dream, married someone, Outside of America, met her on Facebook, or excuse me, not Facebook, met her in on a, a dating online site. dating site. Yeah. And they were married, and it is believed, believed, that she may have radicalized him. Okay. Whether she radicalized him, he radicalized her. They both got radicalized by somebody else. It is important, but for the purpose of this show, they were just radicalized. And yesterday at the gathering, I asked the question, what would happen if black people, I'm talking about American-born, you know, African-American black people, people whose ancestors were slaves or were here in this country during the time of slavery, 
what would happen if they became radicalized? Uh, Andrew, I'm not sure if you were there when I asked that question. What oh, do you yeah, think I was would there. happen I if said, black people became radicalized and killed up a bunch of white people in America at, in a terrorist attack? Uh, as I said, stated yesterday, I said that there would be a an act of war un, un, unseen before declared on the black community immediately. It would be an immediate and horrific act. And I don't believe that they'd be looking for the 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 radicalized ones they would just go with a, a a wide brush that's that's my thought and you know whoever was left standing if any would be in an internment camp you would see internment camps again and and, and we'd be there one of the reasons for asking that question is people are starting to leave America and go to these terrorist training camps and fighting for ISIS, male and female. Now, so far, the greatest preponderance of people to do this are people of European descent, otherwise known as white people. And there really hasn't been much said or done about it other than acknowledging that it is happening, which is still pretty big. But why do you think if black people suddenly started going to ISIS, do you think that the response would be as muted as it is now? No. Okay. Now, that's just them leaving to go to ISIS, right? Whether they came back or maybe somebody gets them a male or a bride from someplace who radicalizes him. I mean, it could be a uh, woman that gets her a husband through a male or a husband company, a website. It can go either way. Right. In this particular case, though, it was suspected to be a basically an American man of uh, Middle Eastern descent who got him a, a good Islamic woman and brought her to this country, and they believed that she radicalized him. And I kept thinking for a minute, whoa, this is big right here, because... Yeah. Did they just send one, or did they send the whole group of them? So that was that was sort of like my first thought. And then I said, if I was in charge of the powers that be, what would I do right now? I said, other than doing the investigation that they're currently doing with this couple, the next, the very next phone call would have been scrub the visa list for people who came over here to marry who. And this may seem like profiling, maybe it is, but I would have said, 
who are of Islamic faith. That's what, that's what I would have done. Because if they, if they did it, we don't know yet whether this was done as some type of plot. In other words, they sent in sleeper agents, and then if they sent in sleeper agents, could there be sleeper cells? We don't know that yet. I hope and pray that she was not a sleeper agent. And then the next thing I hope and pray is that she is not part of a sleeper cell because there was a lot of bombs and a whole lot of ammunition in there. You know, it's not likely that anyone is going to commit a terrorist attack, a terrorist act in America anyway, and get off. Most of the time you die on the scene, but you do die. And did this couple think that they were going to go and kill up a bunch of people, especially a bunch of white people, even though there was, I think, two black tenants? But did they actually think they were going to do that and then get off so they could go do some more? Is that why they had so many bombs and ammo? Or was Mm. there co-conspirators? We don't know that yet. They're saying they were the only two. You know, I I take all of the news reporting with not just a grain of salt, a box of salt. I realize that there's so much to these acts that they can't release to the public. They know they have to tell us something. But whether those somethings are factual and, you know, uh, the 24-hour news stations have gotten so slick with their wording and how they interlay fact and um, the way that they will suggest a scenario. They kind of weave them together, and you have to really be listening to uh, untangle the stuff lately. So um, I'm not naive enough to think that, you know, everything they're saying, or and, and especially the stuff they're not saying, is truth. So I hear on the Internet, or as President George Bush would say, the Internet, <laughs> <laughs> I hear on the Internet, that occasionally black people, when they're talking about police brutality and police violence against against blacks, especially unarmed blacks, we know that is happening. It is never, there has not been a time in America where it hasn't happened. So this is not new. The newness is that we have video. But even in the video, there's still a certain level of aversion to the reality. I'll put it that way. Okay, some of the comments that have come, and I understand the anger, some of the comments have been for every one of ours, we need to take three of them. And I've often wondered, well, what, which three are you going to get? Are you talking about popping three policemen? And if you're talking about popping three policemen, you know black people are policemen, Puerto Ricans are policemen, Dominicans are policemen. Which policemen are you going to get? Is it just anybody wearing the uniform? You know, I'm trying to get the logistics of it. Then after a while, I was like, wait a minute. This is just silly anyway. (laughs) So you're going to go out and kill three people that you don't even know. Might have just saved somebody. But, I mean, you know, you don't know. You're just going to go out and kill them. And when you go out and kill them, you've just committed murder. Murder. Now, in your mind, you may say, no, that's retribution for killing mine. It's righteous. 
the terrorists mm-hmm. say that they go in and put suicide vests on and go into hotels and restaurants and movie theaters because it is retribution for what America has done to them somewhere sometime in their country or what America has done through capitalism or they just, you know, it could be a multiplicity of reasons, right? Because you can always come up with a reason. So when, when our people, when black people start talking about that, I say, hold on. I usually ask them to go onto the, the Internet and Google Palestine because Palestinians right. and black people are fairly closely aligned into what their struggle. Now, the difference to a certain extent is that you have Americans who followed Dr. King, and then you had the Palestinians, to a certain extent, followed Malcolm. Now, not Malcolm, actually, physically, the concept of an eye for an eye or two or three for, you know, any means possible, right? That's how we normally, even though I don't think that's what he intended when it was said, nor was he the original sayer of it. But it's attributed to him, and that's often how people interpret it. So if we if they kill one of ours, we're going to go kill three of theirs. Do we believe that they're going to let black people, the authorities, the man, white people, are going to let black people run around and pop in a bunch of cops? Our community is far too uh, surveillanced and occupied. It wouldn't take long to wreak substantial damage to our community. I mean, I, I hear this, and I hear smart people saying this. I mean, intellectually, academically, these are smart mm-hmm. people, and they're saying it. But now, here's here's some reality. Rhetoric, especially violent rhetoric, mean spirit rhetoric, tends to impact those of us who may have a psychological malady, some type of uh, issue. We know that a lot of the people ISIS is attracting, and when you think about it, I said, oh, yeah, that makes sense. They're attracting a lot of sociopaths and psychopaths. We know that. The person that was the so-called mastermind of the French massacre, they were showing him doing an interview, and he was kind of looking a little impatient, like he had someplace to go. Mm-hmm. The place he had to go, according to reports, was behind his car. There were bodies. There were bodies roped to his car. And the place where he had to go was to drag those bodies behind that car. Now, I could not look in his eyes or at his face 
and determined that he's about to drag a bunch of bodies behind his car. There was no telltale sign of I'm about to do this heinous act. So what we're seeing is a bunch of psychologically ill people being attracted by a nihilistic ideology because ISIS, Dash, is a, they call it a religion. I think it does a disservice to the Islamic faith because they're killing more people of their own faith than anyone else, first of all. And then second of all, and you know why that's germane to this topic? Because I often hear black people saying the so-called Tom, the so-called Coon, the Negropeans are going to be the first to get popped. Wow. So what that means is you're going to have black people killing black people. Well, heck, we're going to kill ourselves. And they often use it as they need to purge the ranks of the Coons, the Toms, and the Negropeans. I wonder how many of them actually read Harry Beecher Stowe's book, Uncle Tom's Cabin. That, that's sort of like one of the first questions I have. But then right up there with that is who's going to determine who the coon? Who these classes are that they've defined. Absolutely. Yes. Who, who makes, who defines that? What determines that? And what happens if you make a mistake? Do you do the same thing that the man does with us? Well, you know, we got, it was just one, but look how many we convicted. I mean, so the, that's the reason why I want to do the show today, because I'm hearing so many of my brothers and sisters talking this talk. And the problem with talking talk over and over again is maybe you don't buy into it. But what about that person who's going through something right now? Maybe they're going through a divorce and they felt like everything was taken from them unjustifiably. Maybe they just got laid off by their boss. Maybe there was some racial stuff going on, and they got laid off unassociated with that, or maybe they did get laid off with that. Racism runs rampant, right? But let's say that happened. And then you got these so-called conscious brothers and sisters talking about we need to rise up and how much longer are we going to take this, and we need to go out, and for every one of ours, we take three of theirs. That person who is not in their right mind at that particular moment, because they say we all are off our rocker at some point, but that person who's just gone through the fire, still burnt, they're at a weaker state of mind, and they hear maybe these people that they respect, maybe they have a large following, maybe they just sound good, hear, oh, that was terrible, or what happened to Laquan. And you know they're not doing nothing, and the mayor is involved, and, you know, we just ain't going to take this no more, and you know what? They're just not going to listen until we start killing up a bunch of people. And for every one hour, we need to get ten of three of theirs. That person that's going through it that's not quite right at that particular moment, that could be the trigger for them to go and do something that a person in their right mind or even their normal state of mind would do. 
We hear our politicians oftentimes coming up with fiery rhetoric. And then all of a sudden somebody go pop somebody off. Don't forget the root guy in South Carolina. Now, we don't know if this specifically happened because of that. But we do know that the rhetoric gets absorbed by the least of us mentally. So part of this show was to say to my brothers and sisters that we are not being treated right. There is no doubt in my mind and outside of my mind that we are not being treated right. As a matter of fact, not only are not are we not being treated right, but they're treating us downright bad. They're literally murdering us. We are being murdered. And we are not getting just justice in the justice system. What Richard Pryor said is happening. It's just us. But I, as sure as I'm living right now and breathing, if black people suddenly start saying that they're radicalized and go out and kill a bunch of white people. The way it's going to happen is pretty much like Angela said. If I may add, it will be whatever hell we think we're in, it will be purgatory compared to the hell that we will be in. And, you know, that's just not um, me pulling something out of my scary sky, you know, uh, history. You look at the history. Look at the history. And now we have more uh, more opportunities, more technology. And, you know, that's what I mean by opportunities. But we have more technology. It's easier to reach citizens, for real, your every step. I mean, we carry around our own tracking device every day. Can't live without it. How would we post on Facebook if we didn't have it, you know? So uh, most of what I see on, on Facebook is and in, in other social platforms are Americans happy to be here engaged in this democracy that is America but also fighting to improve it every day, acknowledging the atrocities, making sure that persons and organizations that are responsible for some of these atrocities, all of these atrocities, um, are made to be responsible for them. But when you see a situation like San Bernardino, you and and Sandy Hook and you know three hundred and fifty five shootings mass shootings Obama has had to deal with in his presidency. This is the three hundred and fifty fifth one. That's 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 a lot. When I heard that on the news the other day I was like my jaw kinda dropped. What president can you think of has had to deal with 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 this? This is this is a new uh aspect of um warfare. And 
you know, we all are preparing ourselves to be better equipped to handle it. I was talking to a buddy of mine this morning. Uh, he called me from South Carolina, not too far from the Dillon Roof incident, actually. And he he was saying to me how he, he just didn't understand why nothing isn't being done. So, you know, we kicked, it, we kicked it around back and forth, and he says they keep talking about laws, but the laws that we have haven't stopped it. And this is just on gun violence in general, I'm not even talking about terrorism yet. He said the laws that they have hasn't stopped it. And then, he, you know, we go down the list because everybody knows the city, you know, New York, Connecticut. Uh, I, I think Jersey is one of them, but New York, uh, Connecticut, uh, California, uh, we know that Illinois, Detroit, D.C., these all have very restrictive gun uh, ownership laws, but yet almost all of them have are listed as having some of the highest crime deaths per year associated with gun, gun deaths per year. So how do we keep having the same conversation about putting passing more laws? And if you said we're going to outlaw all guns, because that's the only way you, you know you can do anything about it, really, what do you do with the 300 and almost 40 million, 320 million guns that are out there already? Do you start busting people's doors down, confiscating their weapons? Do we criminalize people who do as they believe? have gun ownership in accordance with their Second Amendment rights? Did we just usurp the Second Amendment? So this well, is something that we have to deal a, with. It's a very serious issue. Um, we we have a Nevada legislature, legislator uh, that has her entire family strapped on the Christmas card. Are you talking about Michelle Fiore? Yes, I am. Made national news. The whole family strapped in the Christmas on the Christmas card. It it just speaks to how serious the issue is right now. How um how high the temperature apparently is getting over over the gun issue. Now, here's a, Children, everybody was, had a gun. When I was a child, usually by the time you were eight, nine years old, for sure by twelve, you had probably a four ten shotgun and quite possibly a twenty two rifle. Really? Yes. By the Different time, time for man. Sure, by the wow. Time you were 12. Usually somewhere, What's the somewhere early between age? eight and twelve. Eight well, and 12. I mean, in average, it, it was somewhere between 8 and 12. So I guess if you average that, by 10 years old, you probably had a gun. For sure, you had already shot one. But mm-hmm. usually by that time, it was a gift. And you might get it at Christmas time. As a matter of fact, the two times a year is either on your birthday or at Christmas is you got a gun. Now, the reason why I point that out is because more children probably had guns 
during that time than today. But yet, very seldom was there any report of killing children, children killing children with a gun. Mm-hmm. Whether it was a long arm or handgun, didn't make a difference. But today, it's a totally different situation. So if people look at her and mock her for that, I don't know where she's I from. don't mock her. You know, boy. it's a personal choice, and it's our it's our right to bear arms in this country. That's a constitutional right. Uh, if that's the image she wants to put on her Christmas card, I absolutely understand. This is the beauty of America. It's now, interesting. what my friend said is he thinks more people should own guns. He's a black guy. He's also a Democrat. And he says he thinks more, he said more people need to own guns. What his fear is, is one of my concerns. It's suppose I'm out at the mall. I'm over visiting the college. I'm in the governmental office space. I'm at the I'm Christmas party. Mm-hmm. And someone comes in with a gun or someone. And while we're trying to duck and cover the gun men and women are walking around because if you don't have a gun, usually what you're doing is you're cowering, waiting to be shot. Right. So as you're cowering there, begging for your life, and the gunman has just, or gunwoman, the gun person has just walked past me, and I'm just as helpless as anybody else. I'm just lucky he bypassed me and hope that he don't come back this way. And I hear the shots. And the sound of that bullet entering that body, you will hear it. You will smell it. I don't know what, I, I know you've been around Chicago, Chirac, but you're going to smell it. And when you do that, when you do you think if only I had a gun, I could fire back? Are we sort of giving card blocks to the people to do something to slaughter us and there's no defense? That's, that's what my buddy was saying this morning, and I thought about it, and I said, so I'm very capable, well, at least before they diagnosed me, and well, before they said that people with mental illness couldn't have a gun, and they don't want me to have a gun because I have PTSD, before that happened, I was a pretty good shot. Right. And I was hoping that if a situation like that ever arose, that I would be able to protect my family and my people that's around me. Suppose somebody came into the gathering. You know, I see it as sort of my responsibility, but all I can do is cower like everybody else. Pray and beg for my life, probably like everybody else. Who knows what what I would do in a situation like that, but I'm just going by what most other people do. So should we really, but because the two political parties are entrenched in the left and the right, in the ring with the left and let's not wrong. let's not let's not leave out the fact that the left and the right are both entangled in NRA dollars. Let's just be real. Their lobbying dollar is strong, so strong that you know people the five thirty five that we have elected to represent us, uh, you know, kind of hear no evil, speak no evil. <laughs> they they don't see it, so. I, from a legislative standpoint, that's that's really what it is. We're up against the NRA. Okay, and so we're dollars. up against the NRA. Mm-hmm. And 
it is true, the NRA, but it's not like, uh, you know, Bloomberg, I think, is the 23rd richest person in the world. Mm -hmm. And he's pouring hundreds of millions of dollars up against the NRA. Uh, As a matter of fact, he has not said how much money he will not spend to defeat the NRA. And I know he has at least $23 billion, according to Forbes. All right. That's a whole lot of money. That's a lot of dough. And he says he has put no cap on how much he's willing to spend. Well, Rodney, here's, here's my position on it. I have been around guns. My grandfather was a gun owner all my life. He had a uh, beautiful pearl handle, nickel-plated, 45. That was just beautiful. Polished it and oiled it and took care of it just about every Sunday. Beautiful gun, shotguns. He he had guns. Nobody ever bothered them. Nothing ever happened to nobody. You know, no child ever got harmed, nothing like that. He was a responsible gun owner. And I will say this, too. There was no gun, no locked gun cabinet in my grandparents' house. It was just their word. Don't go bothering that. That's they showed. You know, my grandfather showed you the gun and showed you a few things on the gun. But you know, you just did what your grandparents told you to do back then. If they told you not to touch that, you didn't touch that. So, um, as a young adult, I was shot. I was injured pretty bad. So for most of my adult life, I was kind of, you know, I'm cool on guns. I, I don't need a gun around me. And, you know, my my shooting was pretty stereotypical. See, the statistic says that a gun, if you're shot by a gun, you're usually shot by somebody you know. That was absolutely true. In my case. So for most of my adult life, I I, I didn't really want to be bothered with guns. I, I didn't have them in my home over my, you know, around my children. And I pretty much didn't have a gun. Um, but prior to being shot, I did go to the range. I am a very, I was a very good shoot. Um, very good shooter. I, I had good aim and knew how to handle a, a, a firearm. And I was a good shot. So um, I come from that neighborhood that Spike Lee, uh, well, I was from the west side of Chicago. So I, I'm from the black community of Chicago. And um, so there are guns in my neighborhood doing all sorts of damage all the time, which only further, you know, cemented me in my view that this is very damaging. Um, As an adult now, I think responsible gun ownership is what's key. I do own a gun and probably will be a multiple gun owner. I don't have a problem with it. Now, um, 
I think if you want a gun and, and, and you're responsible and you're gonna be responsible with your gun, you should own a gun. Um, of course, we only have problems with the folk, with the bad guys with the guns, right? Mhm. So, you know, my vote my vote is to be smart with the with whatever we do and it, I I'm one to think at this point Rodney, it's going to take um a multi-layer approach to deal with what's going on in America, whether we're talking about the Chirac situation or um a sleeper cell terrorist kind of, you know, thing that happened in San Bernardino, or we're talking about the um, Colorado movie theater shooter who probably is mentally ill. Mr. Um, Holmes. Yeah, Mr. Holmes. And then, you know, the, the young man with Sandy Hook who who had a number of issues. It's going to take a number of approaches to for us to <clears throat> get back to a day where um, we're not having a, a bunch of experience, bad experiences with guns, bad outcomes. Um, as far as the terrorism is concerned, I think that we are going to have to wake up to the fact that this is not a fair fight. There's no book on this fight, and we need to, you know, arm ourselves with information and be prepared. And it's going to take citizens also, as well as uh, military, as well as police officers, it's sort of all hands on deck at this point. If you can't be cool at the the babies can't be cool at the school, the 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 folks can't go to the movie theater and now we can't go to the company Christmas party, you know, because a, a coworker for whatever reason, whether they would ISIS or they're upset about some perceived injustice leaves and comes back 20 minutes later and wants to shoot everybody in the place um, and, and proceeds to do so with his wife. Um, we, If this shooting doesn't highlight anything else, it is definitely highlighting that we are in a new day and we have better open our eyes. We are not in Kansas anymore. as many of us just watched the Wiz this week. So for the message to 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 all of us is yeah. we do need to look at what our children are doing. Now, we know that it's not all young people, some of these people in their sure. early 20s that are migrating over to uh, the Middle East to join ISIS. But we do know that ISIS has a movement targeted towards children through video games as well as using the internet in general and they're getting some of our children they're winning they're getting some of our young people to start looking towards them 
But see, what I think might be a little more insidious is I'm not sure that the goal is just to get people to join ISIS. I think what would be just as beneficial to them is that they get people to question our government and the injustices that are being inflicted on any of us, whether it's racism, discrimination, and this is where I come in on with black folks, is because if anybody would feel justified, you would think that it would be the Native American and black people. Luckily, it has not been. Because when we think about, you remember Ferguson? You remember the police response? That was that was uh, one person that had been shot. And when people started hitting the street, they bought all types of armored personnel carriers. Weapons of uh, mass destruction. <laughs> had snipers <laughs> with the weapons trained down range. They were yep. ready to start. Now, for whatever was, might have happened, they were prepared for it. And they, and, some would say that they were over-prepared. And now, now those people that were protesting were protesting peacefully. And there was other people besides blacks, but it was, you know, a large number of blacks in there, right? Now, just imagine, just imagine that those same groups of black people had come out with a bunch of guns. What do you think the response would have been? Uh, if we we have seen what the responses it would be if if that were to happen, um, gentleman from the the wire uh, said a and made an interesting statement this week. He said that the gun issue would be solved in two point two seconds if this scenario right here played out. If every black male between the ages of 18 and 35 went and applied and paid for uh, concealed to carry, um, what is it, a license? A, a permit, some people call it permit. license. Permit. If every, every male, 18, 18 to 35, Applied for that permit, got it, and um, every black male, every black male, every black. If every black male went and did that, the the gun issue in America will be solved in two point two uh, seconds. Okay. And the resolution would be. He didn't say. He just said it would be solved. Swift. Two point two seconds. That's pretty quick. Yeah, that's pretty fast. But it was I, an I think, interesting. Uh, it was an inter- to me. It was an interesting, an interesting point. Well, I, I think where he was going is that white America, the authorities, would be so afraid that, as in previous times, they would make a new law to ensure that all those black people weren't running around with weapons. Now, that's why people infer 
it would be interesting to see because that does, again, we got the constitutional thing, not like that stopped people before, but it would be interesting to see what would happen. So this is what I've, what I've said. I do believe that people who have no legal restrictions from gun ownership should consider owning a gun if they don't have it, especially black people. The reason why I said that is because if there was some type of national emergency, the electrical grid went down. Our food is only going to last about three days unless you're Mormon. Then you're good. But our food is going to last about three days. We don't know for sure the status of what our water will be depending on where we're living and how we get our water. So I'm going to just stick with the electrical grid going down, grocery stores, food spoiling. At some point, Somebody is coming for what we have, whether it's the extra shelter, the extra food that they think we may have. At some point, somebody's coming for it, and we we should be prepared. Now, that's in pretty much a case, a scenario that we hope will never happen, and it's not likely, but it is possible because we know that hackers are probing, and we do know that our electrical grid is vulnerable. If you look at what happened in Katrina and any other nat- natural disaster in America, there was looting and this and that going on, crime. Uh, in the Superdome, one of the things they talked about was they're in the Superdome, they're all need, you know, in this emergency together, but yet women were still being raped. So we know that even in times of great adversity, there's going to be crimes taking place. Right. We should be able to protect ourselves. We we need to be able to protect ourselves. I and black people, you need to have responsible gun ownership. Go to a gun safety course. Learn how to sure. fire the gun. Learn how to maintain your weapon. Learn responsible gun ownership. But one thing that I implore you not to do is do not listen. Maybe they mean well, maybe they don't. But do not listen to those people who are saying, we need to take up arms and violently rebel against our oppressors. Now, I know mm-hmm. that there's people that, I'm going to see pictures with with the cone face. I'm going to see pictures are you with serious? The Uncle Tom face. I love I life. That. I love living. I I I don't know these uh, really on fire for this. I, look, don't do that. That's what, that's not helpful. So put the cool face on whoever you got to do. Hey, I, I think we should own guns responsibly. Absolutely. I think we should protect our life, limb, property family, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I mm-hmm. do believe that. And I think for those who live in the city, if you want to fire your gun, you go to the shoot range, not in the street. For those who live in the country, you go and hunt, hunt, hunt your squirrels and your deer. City people call it venison. Go and do that. Enjoy target practice and shooting at the trees. We used to do that. And teach your children gun safety, gun handling. Do that. But when it comes to this violent rhetoric, 
of us going again. I say, look at Palestine, and I also say that we have more to lose than to gain if we go that route. You see, we really haven't explored how to do this using the system. We just assume that the system is so jacked up that it won't work for us. And I'm saying, you know, we've been so jacked up that we haven't applied the system enough. And because of that, these things are still happening. Now, they may continue to happen, but there's a lot of things we can do to reduce it. We need to seriously consider what those things are and get to doing them to try to reduce them. 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600, what do you think would happen if black people became radicalized in America, whether it was for ISIS or whether they became radicalized because of the brutality of law enforcement shooting us down in the streets? 347-826-9600, press option one. Let us know what you think. I think it would be horrendous. That's, how, that's what I think. And I think our leaders, whether formal or informal, really need to dial back the violent rhetoric. Because it's, it's not for our benefit. And I don't mind being on the record because these are going to be archives. You can pull up the show anytime. It will be on the record <laughs> that Rodney said we need to dial Violence back. Violence is not rhetoric. the answer. It's not the answer. Not for us. That's not the answer. So I wanted to acknowledge what happened because remember, again, those terrorist sympathizers, terrorists, really, there were two black people that got killed. So for those of you who say, oh, well, they're not killing us. I don't have an argument with them. They don't care who you are. Remember, they are nihilists. Their objection, their, their, their purpose is for the world to be inflamed. Now, they're not just talking about your world. They're talking about their world, too. They do not mind dying because that's actually a part of their belief system is to die. They're going to get the seven virgins. Now, I don't know about you all. But first of all, I'm not all that crazy about that idea. But seven women trying to handle them, you know, one's more than enough for me. So that's number one. Number two, I would like to, I don't know what's on the other side. I know what's on this side. And I want to stay on this side as long as possible. I want to live for my people, not die for my people. And then number three, if you kill everything, There's nothing left. And if we start killing one another because of distrust, then we're not much different from the terrorists. I do believe we have the right to protect and defend ourselves. And unless there is some rational and logical reason, no one should be coming to get your gun. And for my black people, Please pay more attention to what your children are doing, who they are talking to, what games they are playing, and who they are playing with. It's very easy 
to leave them alone. It's very easy in all of the free time that our children seem to have today for them to go and do these things without us knowing. We need to know. Our children need to become our priority again, more so now than ever before. For one day you will wake up to and you will see that your child committed some heinous act and you'll be trying to figure out how did it happen. Please be vigilant. And it's, you know, I, I hear we got the Occupy uh, Democracy, Occupy Wall Street, Occupy this, Occupy that. How about we occupy our homes? How about that? <laughs> but let's do that one. Because maybe if we occupy our homes, and take our homes more seriously. I hear a lot of people say they don't have time for their own children. I'm working too hard. I don't have time for my kids. It makes you wonder, why did you have them? That's upsetting. That's that's kind of sad. Uh, That's just the real. People are saying they are too busy to take care of their own children. Well, you may be too busy to take care of your children, which is your responsibility. But those folks, think about it. One of the reasons why some of our kids, not all, but some of our children join gangs is because they're not, their time is not being put to constructive use by their parent or parent. So somebody out there is going to buddy up to them and be that family that they're missing at home. I can tell you, when I was in a gang, we were like family. Felt good. Nobody else was around. At least I could be with them. And things really haven't changed that much. So what I'm saying is we, we need to take our, take our homes. We, you know, we take America back, take this back. Take, how about you take your home back? You know, we talk about the village. Time and time again, I've always said it is the hut. The village is only as strong as the hut. Our village of America is weakening because we have weaker huts called homes, and it's time for us to take our homes back. Seventy percent of black children are raised by black women. Numbers might be higher since the last statistics. I hope it's low. 70%. So that means, sisters, re-engage with your homes and with your children. You brothers that are blessed to have a woman, you know, for those of you who are religious, the Bible tells you, your holy book, that To have a good woman, to have a woman is a good thing. So since you have been blessed to have your good thing, then the next good thing is your progeny called your children. If you are working so much that you cannot take care of your children, it means you're working too much. For those of you who have two incomes coming in, I know that we believe we have to have two incomes coming in. Do we really have to have two incomes coming in? Look at your children's feet. How much do the sneakers cost? How many Playstations, Xboxes, what type of cell phones do you have? It's time for us to really take stock of what we have, and we are blessed with so much. But as we're taking stock of the things that we have, Let's look at 
the number one responsibility that we have, and that's our family, whether single parent or traditional household. Black people, we know that the majority of our households are single parents. We need to take our, we need to occupy our homes. We need to take our children back. We need to take our homes back. If you do not take them and embrace them, somebody is. And in this case, it may be someone with an ISIS ideology, or it may be some with someone with a violent ideology, very similar to ISIS. We have a choice now. Let's get our children before someone else gets them, because if we, if our children grow up and listen to some of our some of the violent rhetoric in our community and start killing cops hell on earth however bad you thought it was will not be as bad as it would be if black people start doing it I see the call, I see some callers and some listeners out there. Thank you so much for listening to our show today. I really wanted to get your opinion on what you thought would happen if black people started became radicalized, whether they became radicalized with the aberration called is ISIS, not Islam, ISIS, and I call it an aberration because they're an abomination. So they're not traditional Islam. So if our children adopt these ideologies, if they listen to the people with the rhetoric, and and mind you, those people in the black community that's talking about picking up arms, I seriously doubt you will see any of them on the front line. So when you go out there with your weapon and you start, where is you're not going to see them. You're not going to see this. Please. Please find out what your children are doing. Please talk to your children. Please counter the violent rhetoric with intellectual sense. We can defeat this without defeating ourselves. The proverbial you said shooting the, ourselves in the foot. We can do you, it. You yes, said the you. key word, we. We. This is a we situation. Um, you know, I'm gonna use the. I'm, I'm gonna make another we statement. We gonna be all right. Kendrick Lamar. We are. We all gonna be all right. And you know, let's work this gun issue out because I'm tired of reporting my and giving my condolences on on folks losing their loved ones and losing their lives. This is this is a we solvable situation. We we can solve this and, and we can figure out how to obtain peace and maintain peace. And just as I say that, Rodney, uh I get a CNN uh alert two people were injured. Uh, there's a shooting hostage situation in Wisconsin. So let's all just send our prayers and and good energy all over this land. Because the world the world needs it right now. This 
this is too much. Two hospitals in trouble right now in up in Wisconsin. So hospitals? It happened at a hospital? Two hospitals, yes. Shooting a hostage wow. situation in, in Wisconsin. Um So no place is safe. A hospital is a place where we go to heal, not to be shot. No place is safe. And thirty no shots place fired, will two hospitals safe. in Wisconsin. So no place will be safe. Now, like my buddy said this morning, instead of being the one cowering, waiting to be shot, I would like to have the option to defend myself. And I would like to be able to shoot back. We have got to push our politicians beyond the two-step of the one on the left saying we need more gun laws, the ones on the right saying we're not going to do anything. We've got to push past that. We've got to push them out of the way if need be. Something needs yeah. to be done, but it, it may not be. And it's going to be a multitude day. of things. Absolutely. It's going to be a, a, a multi-layered approach. Uh, clearly, this is not a, a situation we can solve with a, you know, a, a one one approach situation. It's complex, to say the least. It's complex. Um, movie in the theater this weekend talking about the gun issue. Chirac saw it last night. Hopefully, we'll think? talk about it in, in, what did I think? Yeah, in general, we'll talk about it later, but what, what did you think? Mm, Spike is going to take some blows for this. There, oh, wow. It, it's, it's, it's definitely a message that needs to be sent. I didn't like the way that he sent it. It, it, it felt divisive. And, you know, I'll acknowledge I'm a Chicagoan, and I'm I'm sensitive a little bit to this because – it is so serious in my city right now. Young kids' blood is flowing through the streets. And I don't think that we have time to market and capitalize on on our pain right now. I, I think it, it needs to be better better said, better stated, better put. So we'll talk about it at a later date, but, you know, suffice to say, I don't have a problem with art. I don't have a problem with artists saying what they have to say. But sometimes uh, it's a little too serious to just take shots. You know, we're going to have to talk about that part, too, because one of the one of the ways that ISIS is attracting people is through media. And, and I wanted to bring that up really quick is because a lot of times we say that media doesn't make a difference. And then one of the other things you say, well, children can see it. And they say, well, you shouldn't let your children see it. Well, if every parent was home and was paying attention, then maybe that would be the case. But remember, we got to work two and three jobs, right? We don't have time for our children. So because we don't have time for our children, the television always has time for our children. Always did, always will. So always did, always will. If you don't have time, 
somebody has time. Or something so, is making time, is making time, making them a priority. Media, so Media does influence people. And, and I am and not a Chiracian. I, I am not a Chiracian. Uh, I don't feel that my neighborhood, which is, you know, filled with violence and, and, and drug dealing and all sorts of problems, but it was also filled with a lot of families, a lot of hardworking people. Um, I never felt like, you know, we needed to separate it like that. I'm a proud Chicagoan, and I will be until the day I die. And I don't appreciate the depiction that will now live forever um, on a very serious issue that is plaguing black America across America. We are one of the cities uh, that is in constant headlines. I, I fully acknowledge that. But that doesn't mean that you get to capitalize on the pain because the pain is real. The blood is real. And that's what I got to say about Chirac. Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, on an upcoming show. We're gonna talk about Spike Lee's new production uh, and what what it means. Uh, you, you know, what, it um, means, what can we do with it now that it's already out there? Go ahead, Angela. Uh, one of the statistics he put up a, a statistic about the number of lives taken between 2003. In 2012, and I don't, I don't really think that Spike gets how, you know, it's real families in that. My nephew is one person in that number that he is representing. So it's personal. It's personal, and it's painful. I said earlier that we have to take our homes back. We have to take our children back. I have been in situations where I've talked to some family members, the the, the parents. Usually it's the parent. Usually it's usually it is a black woman. It's just, that's just a fact. And the other day, someone was saying, whenever these things happen, they always say how good their child was how surprised and not their child. And as the reports come out, it seems that their child wasn't who their parents thought their child was. And maybe that's just the case with children and parents in general. Maybe. But I am going to say again, how much are we engaging with our children? How much free time do they have? How much television and game and Internet time do they have? How is that impacting them? It is because it is impacting them. We we have to, you know, we, we do need to, and every, I know every time we talk about our family, all of a sudden I see people fall off the line. When I start <laughs> talking about black families, all of a sudden nobody wants to listen to the show anymore. I got the to calls, go. Yeah, the calls <laughs> drop, right? Yeah. And the reality is we say we don't want the police coming into our community. Okay. Are we going to police our own community? Because if so, we haven't done it yet. Chicago, Detroit, Detroit, 
It's a city I've always wanted to visit. But now I think if I go there, I'm going to have to go with body armor. Chicago, I always thought it must be like New York because I always hear New York and Chicago mentioned in the same voice. If I go to Chicago, Andrew, I need you to take me to the good spot. I was at a meeting <laughs> just the uh, just this week with some young people who want to, we, we, we had a, a, a shooting here at Mojave High School, Motown. Yeah. And it was, it was a gang fight. At least that's, that's what I got out of the, the young people telling me. It was a rival gang. Uh, two guys, two guys got into it. One guy pulled out a gun, shot at his opponent, and missed, and hit the person, the young man who was deceased, killed on the spot. Because typically, you know, everybody talk call them street soldiers. I say don't, you know, don't soil the name soldier because most of these guys can't shoot straight, and their mm-hmm. cause is not a righteous cause. Shot an innocent person, he dies, right? Right. People got together and said, what are we going to do? Got some young people. About five of them were from Chicago. And one gentleman was almost as old as me. Owned a barbershop. What he said, he said he was in his barbershop, and an a eight-year-old rolled up on him in his barbershop, pulled up his shirt, showed him his heater, Said, I will, if you do not do this, I will come back and shoot up everybody here and your place. Eight years old. Now, I'm like, I'm thinking that's and hoping that's the exception, not the rule. But that is, if it is the exception now, it will be the rule later if we don't do something to prevent it. That's a reality. So, we have an opportunity to make a difference. Let's take advantage of that opportunity. Let's take our homes back, children back. Let's reevaluate our lives. Do not let our black children become radicalized, whether it's for ISIS or because of the violent rhetoric of those in our community saying for every one of ours, we take three of theirs. Let us not go down that route. It has not been good for the Palestinians or anyone else who's gone against the authorities. Yes, it's okay to pray. Maybe it's a good thing. It gives us a little break. But we need to think and we need to come up with a plan and we need to act fast because those who are opposing us, they are not taking vacations. The title of our show today, and I hope you all absorbed it because it is a possibility, and that was what would happen if black people became radicalized and why we should Hopefully we shared enough of the why we should and that we won't and that we will go back to our homes and to our families and treat them like our homes and our families. Not a thing, but it is ours and it is our responsibility. If we do not take responsibility, then the authorities will take responsibility. And usually that is not for the love and care of you, of us. You've been listening to Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live comes to you every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. On the West Coast, that's 3.30 for those of you on the East Coast. Thank you all so much for listening. You can go to Our Own Voices Live on Facebook and drop us a line. Let us know what you thought of the show. Let us know what you thought of the topic. Share any feelings that you like. It's okay. And while you're there, friend us at Our Own Voices Live. You can also find us on Twitter at Our Own Voices. We'd love to hear from you. Until next week, 
and some of our remember next next Saturday we're gonna have a segment on relationships. It's our monthly segment every second Saturday that we're going to be talking about relationships. So if you have relationship questions, you can also go to Our Own Voices Live on Facebook and Our Own Voices on Twitter. Let us know what some of those questions are. Maybe we can pose them to some of our experts and write them into the show. And maybe it might be show-worthy on its own topic. Thank you very much, and until next week at 12.30 p.m., we'll catch you then. Be safe. Be safe. Bye-bye.